Last week we had our baptisms and our 11th birthday, which was a lot of fun. So those of you that were here for that, thank you. Those of you that weren't, we missed you. Um, We had a great party last week. We baptized four people and um, yeah, we just said we focused on celebrating and we had some amazing cake. So thank you for the bakers amongst you that baked cakes. Um, They were really delicious. Um, This morning, I'm just going to talk briefly about one of our values here at at Chelmsford Vineyard. Um, Because it won't um, come as a shock to any of you that the, the cost of living is increasing. It's never far away from our thoughts, from the news. Um, It is everywhere, isn't it? And yet, as a people of God, we want to be radically generous. We want to be radically generous because our God is a generous God. So the cost of food is increasing, flour and oil particularly affected by the conflict in Ukraine. Energy costs are going through the roof, um, both heating and lighting our homes. And for those of us that drive cars, um, know which petrol stations have slightly cheaper fuel. And so maybe against good economics, drive a little bit further to get to the cheaper fuel. Um, Maybe you don't do that. and, and that doesn't, none of that takes into account the effect that COVID might have had on your income, um, be it for the better or for the worse. I know that some people in COVID um, were able to save money from doing things, from not doing things and not being able to. And some people found themselves losing a job or two. Despite the financial situation globally, we can and we still do hold this value of being radically generous. Despite what's going on globally and personally with our finances, as a church, we need to talk about money and our heart towards it. And I apologize where we might have not talked about it enough up to this point. Um, We probably should have done. In preparation for this talk this morning, I asked a couple of people if they would just tell me a few stories of where they have either practiced generosity or they have been on the receiving end of generosity. And here is a couple of stories that I was told. On one occasion, when we were really struggling for money, a friend did a Tesco delivery for us and had it sent to our house with loads of really lovely food. Another story, this was really small for us, but it was a really big deal for the person who received it. We found out that one of our friends couldn't afford a haircut, and so we sent the money anonymously through the post. It felt amazing, but they loved the fact they could go and have their haircut. And then another story, I moved house, and I'd, been, um, I'd moved a number of times fairly recently, and I was shown massive generosity from fen- friends and church family. One lady helped me pack, move and decorate as well as buying me a few things that I needed. And I was given money to buy a cooker and other people gave me furniture and a tumble dryer. God literally provided all I needed to furnish my house. Just three little examples of people in our church family who have um, offered, have been on the receiving end of generosity, but have also been on the giving end of generosity. And I love that these stories, they're so inspiring. Um, And we were just talking this week to our kids about um, anonymously putting £10 through people's letterboxes and how if you've never done it, it's the most amazing buzz you could ever wish for. 
just that simple act of kindness, of generosity, to really affect people. And it's worth remembering too that there are so many hidden stories in this church of regular faithful giving. Many of you have committed financially to Chelmsford Vineyard for many years, faithfully giving 10% of your income. And some of you in this room, some of you that will be listening to this on Spotify later, you have been here for the entire length of the life of this church. And you have been faithfully giving the whole time you've been part of our church. That's a whole year's income that you have given. Unseen by anybody outside of, I would say, the, financial t- the finance team, which does consist of Graham um, and also Matt, one of our trustees. Without, without which, without that generosity, without that giving, we simply couldn't function. We couldn't see... Um, We couldn't see God doing the things that he has done in and through the life of this church. But do you know what? God sees that standing order going out each month and he loves it. Some of you might have standing orders that go out, large standing orders that go out of your bank account every month that come into the Chelmsford Vineyard bank account. And I just want you to stop and think because of the magnitude of that act. If you were to withdraw that money from your bank account and put it in the offering basket each week, our little offering baskets would be too small. That is incredible. That is radical. Some of you might have conversations with friends and family and you talk about giving to church. And they might say, how much? You give what percentage of your income? Are you crazy? Who does that? Well, I know that many of you do. And I want to ask the question this morning, where does that radical generosity come from? Where does it originate? You know, because it's not natural, is it, for us as human beings? You know, we have an inherent propensity to want to look after ourselves, to put me at the centre. But the clue here is in the word radical. It's a word that is often used to describe someone or something that is extreme, that is extraordinary, that is on the edge. But actually, the origins of the word are very different. The word radical comes from the Latin radicalis, which literally means from the root. So being radical is not out there on the edge, on the extreme. It's actually the exact opposite. It is going back to your roots, back to the root, the original source, the absolute center. I want you to picture a dandelion for me. Love them or hate them, you can choose. But a dandelion has no stem. The leaves, the flower, begin at the root. They are radical. They, go, they start at the root. So next time you see a dandelion invading your flower bed or your lawn, you don't curse it. Well, you can if you want to. But think, this plant is radical and it reminds me of the type of Christian I want to be. So what does it mean to be radically generous? Sometimes it can be tempting to think of those people that are radically generous. They're only really the extra amazing Christians, only those who are really passionate and really out there. 
But again, I want, you to, I want to invite you to reconsider that idea. Radically generous is not simply extravagant, extraordinary generosity. It comes from our roots. Whether we feel we are radically generous or not, it will reveal what we are rooted in. So where does radical generosity grow from? What's the root? Well, let's take a trip through the Bible. Let's go back to the very beginning, the roots of creation. Genesis 1, when we read, God made everything. God created everything. I don't know how many of you have ever watched a David Attenborough series. You've seen some incredible things. Maybe you found yourself astounded by the extravagance of God's handiwork and design. Like this, a sea slug known as a blue dragon. Who could imagine a slug could look quite so beautiful? Or this mantis shrimp which apparently can punch with the force of a 22 caliber bullet. Again, more ugly than the slug, but very beautiful. We find crazy looking creatures like this beautiful spider. Or this gecko. Can you see it? Its camouflage is so perfectly designed. Our planet is full of incredible landscapes, from magnificent rock formations to glaciers, to the Earth's hottest place, which is the Ethio Ethiopian's Danakil Depression, where seawater is heated by volcanoes and the salt reacts with the volcanic minerals, creating dazzling colors. God is, was so generous with his creation. And it's into this extravagant generosity that he created us. He created humankind. And he placed them initially in the Garden of Eden, the jewel of the crown. Why? because he wanted intimate relationship with us. God is more generous than we can ever possibly comprehend. And so it's from this root in, in Genesis 1, in, in creation, that we see throughout the Old Testament generous encouragement and practice of God's people in response to his generosity, in recognition for all that God had given them the people were encouraged to tithe, to return a portion of their income back to him. Just a tenth, a small portion. We've all got ten fingers, or eight fingers and two thumbs, as my children would point out. It's like God saying, just give me that little finger. Just give me that little finger. As a token, acknowledging where everything has come from. And trust me to provide for you. God loved it when he, the people responded and faithfully gave the tenth. And his response, we cannot outgive the giver. His response is to always shower with blessing. And, and we see in the Old Testament, as well as regular giving, there is good, there is good 
uh, there was free will offerings on top of that. The people really grasped this invitation to be radically generous. And we see that in Exodus 36 with the building of the tabernacle, which is, um, this is such a beautiful account of the tabernacle is like the portable uh, version of the temple before the temple was built. And in Exodus 36, verse 3, the workmen received from Moses all of the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Then the workers said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough to do the work that God has commanded to be done. So then Moses gave the order and he sent the word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. They were restrained from bringing more because they already had more than enough to do all the work. I mean, I love that. Moses had to literally restrain people from bringing offerings to the temple, stop them bringing gifts. No more silver, no more gold, all the other precious things that you want to bring because we've got too much. And then we see uh, when David came to actually build the temple, we see David's prayer with this, Um, because he was so thrilled with the generosity of all that the people had given. This was his prayer that's captured in the message in 1 Chronicles 29. He says, but me, who am I? And who are these men, who, sorry, and who are these my people that we should presume to give something to you? Everything comes from you. All All we're doing is giving back what we have been given from your generous hand. God, our God, all these materials, these piles of stuff for building a house of worship for you, honoring your holy name, it all came from you. It was all yours in the first place. I know, dear God, that you care nothing for the surface. You want us, our true selves. So they're planning on building this incredible temple They have piles of stuff, tons of silver and gold, really valuable stuff. But generosity with stuff is one thing. God really wants us. David says it, you want us, our true selves. If God has us, if we are truly committed to him, our stuff naturally follows. As we turn the pages of the Old Testament into the New Testament, straight away we see that God loved the God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. And Jesus in turn voluntarily gave of his life for us. Jesus said to his followers, freely you've received and freely you give. And then we see the example of the first church which every church across the entire world has its roots. They knew that Jesus had given them everything. He had held nothing back, so they held nothing back. And here's a small glimpse from Acts 4 of how the first believers gave their lives to follow Jesus and their resources came right along with them. Acts 4.32 No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all 
that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought, money from, bought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. That is radical. That is radical generosity. And then the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and he was writing to them and he was using the church in the Christians in Macedonia as an example to the church in Corinth. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 8 uh, from the message version. He says, fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out the, in the relief of poor Christians. Just five verses, but five incredibly powerful verses, which I think we find phrases in there of things that we wouldn't necessarily expect together. On one hand, you've got descriptions of their situation, fierce troubles pushed to the very limit, trials, desperately poor, pressure. And it might be that some of us feel those things right now. We feel that pressure with the cost of living increasing. We feel like we're being, being put on trial, that we're pushed to our very limit. And yet, these Christians in Macedonia, we find at the same time that there is an incredible outpouring of generous gifts from them, far more than they can afford, Paul tells us, pleading for the privilege of helping those out that have less than they do. How is it possible that these desperately poor Christians in Macedonia could be so generous. The end of verse 5 says, what explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God. They were fully rooted in God, in Christ. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Radical generosity is not about having resources that are easily spared. It is not rooted in how much we have, but in who has us. Like David said in his prayer in 1 Chronicles, you want us, God, you want our true selves. The Lord wants us to choose to give ourselves unreservedly to him. And if we do that, giving, giving generously is a natural outworking of it. So the question that we all need to reflect on today is what have I given myself to? To material things or to Jesus? In other words, where are my roots? What am I holding on to for my sustenance and stability? In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. We all have a choice. We can serve God or serve money. 
But Jesus says we can't do both. One will always take priority over the other. So how can we make sure that we've given ourselves to God and not to money? Well, Jesus answers that in the same, in the same few verses that Matthew writes in Matthew 6. Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We develop a heart for things, don't we? Which means that we then invest in them. Suppose you were to buy shares in a new startup company selling artisan gin. There's a few of us that like gin. <laughs> I thought of you when I wrote that. I thought, Caroline, Caroline and I should start an artisan gin company and you can all buy shares. No, I'm joking. Um, but what happens when you develop an interest in something? You know, if it was gin, for example, I would develop more of a heart for it. You know, the origins of it, the distilling process, what botanicals and flavors we were going to use. And also we'd look at all of our competitors. Maybe you begin a new hobby. Maybe you decide you're going to start paddleboarding, for example. You know, and you, you get focused on it, don't you? Your heart becomes kind of drawn into it. You might be thinking about where you're going to go, when you're going to go next, uh, what you're going to wear, what the weather's going to be like. So is it going to be windy? Is it going to be calm? Um, what bit of kit would help to make it a better experience? You know, when we develop a heart for something, it captures us, doesn't it? It it focuses our attention. You know, it might be that if you've got a standing order with this church, if you give regularly to the life of this church, you know that your money is being invested in what God is doing here. And it may mean that you feel more connected to the lives that are being changed through the different areas of ministry in this church. You know, my encouragement to you would be if you want to become more passionate, you want to gain more of a heart for what God is doing in this city, then you need to invest your money wisely. Because our hearts will follow our money. A guy called Randy Olcorn wrote a book called the, the Treasure Principle, Unlocking the Secret of Joyful Giving. And he quotes a guy in that book called Mark, who now gives away half of his income each year. And he said this, my pursuit of money drove me away from God. But since I've been giving it to him, everything has changed. In fact, giving has brought me closer to God than anything else. Now, I realized when I was preparing this talk for this morning that it is awkward to talk about money. It's not something in our culture that we do. But as we've seen, the Bible talks about it a lot. And we would be remiss if we didn't. Giving, giving of our finances frees us from the gravitational hold that money and possessions have on us. It shifts the directions of our roots from material stuff deeper into God. I was having a conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago who was talking about the fact that for him, um, everything around him is talking about career, career progression and things that he owns. He doesn't own a house, and he probably should because of the age that he's at. And we had this whole conversation about the kingdom of God being the upside-down kingdom. And actually, if we focus on the upside-down kingdom, if we focus on God, if we focus on Jesus, then the career, I can't even say it, career possession, career progression, 
and our possessions will take care of themselves. Now, because many of you have grasped this principle, this reality of being generous, we have been, as a church, we have been able to offer care, support, healing, equipping, discipling people, reaching those that don't yet know Jesus. And we have been able to serve those with less than ourselves in so many different ways over the last few years. And during the last couple of years particularly, we have had the resources to be able to continue to meet the needs of the, poor, of the poorest in our city. You know, we partner with Food Bank in Chelmsford as a church, not only with food donations, but also we support them financially monthly so that they can exist in the building that they exist in and they can pay staff to run it efficiently. Many of you um, might have heard of Love the One, which is um, a charity in India led by friends of ours, Kat and Mary, who are two doctors that were part of the vineyard in the UK and went out 15 years ago to, uh, to start this charity, to look after the poorest of children in India. And over the last two years, the financial gifts that we have been regularly giving to them have meant that they've been able to, while their schools were all shut, while their pediatric um, clinics were shut, they have been able to um, create an emergency food distribution project that was created with the um, beginning of COVID. And in eight months last year, Mary was saying that the Love the One team gave out enough food for 1,731,000 meals which is incredible. And, and we were part of that because of your financial gifts to the church, we could support them. And that, the Food Bank and Love the One are two, two projects that we support. And I haven't even mentioned Grow Baby, which is, you know, during COVID, because of the generous gifts that you have given us as a church, we were able to sign the lease for the building on Molsham Street. And that was just the beginning. So we wanted to say thank you. Thank you for grasping this value of generous, sorry, of radical generosity. And we know that some of you, the impact of COVID has had a knock-on effect on your personal finances. And it definitely has on the church's finances. People have moved, people have left the church in the last couple of years. And so our income has been reduced. And while we have made savings on certain things, we've also had increased, spend it, increased expenditure, primarily focused on Grey Baby in the last couple of years. However, for those of you that weren't here last week, Graham um, mentioned that we have received recently um, a grant for Grey Baby, which is incredible, and we praise God for that. We are so grateful for God's provision through all of you and those that have been here and gone and those that aren't here this morning. For all that you have given, it's meant that we have had reserves and we have never up to now ever had to say no to doing something that God has asked us to do because of finances. And we are so happy, just sounds like a bit of a rubbish word. We're so thrilled by that. Thrilled, that's the word, a word my mum would use because it just it's so exciting we talk to other church leaders that often can't do things because they don't have the finances available and because of 
everybody that has grasped this radical generosity in the life of Chelmsford Vineyard, we haven't had to do that. There's a phrase that I've heard a number of times over the years, and it, it says, God always pays for what he orders. And we have absolutely seen that in the life of our church. When God has asked us to do something and we have faithfully and obediently stepped out, we have always had the money provided to be able to do it. God pays for what he orders. So as we talk about radical generosity this morning, as, sorry, as I talk about radical generosity with you and it being a value that we hold on to dearly as a church, maybe this morning is an opportunity for you to consider your giving. Where are you rooted? Are you committed? If, if you call Champs Vineyard your church, are you committed to us financially? We'd love you to consider that question. If you're visiting this morning, please ignore that. You are so welcome. You do not need to uh, pay to pray. You do not need to pay to be here. We are so glad that you are here. But if this is your church and you you do or you don't give to us? That's a question for you to answer this morning. Or it might be that you do and you have given faithfully for years and maybe this morning is an opportunity to reconsider your giving. To work out, maybe you've changed jobs since you last looked at your giving. There are some flyers on the tables. They're not to put any pressure on you at all. They're simply there to help you if you wanted to start giving to us or to amend your giving. Or with the advent of online banking, you can do it yourself from your phone right now. So if you want to check Facebook, you could always just pretend that you're updating your online giving and I won't even know. Um, I'm sure none of you would do that. <laughs> or our bank details are on our website. I'm going to stop talking any moment. Our radical generosity is rooted in God's radical generosity in creation. It's rooted through the story of God's people in the Old Testament. And it's rooted in the very beginnings of the church in the New Testament. There is an invitation to us this morning to consider our roots. Think of that dandelion. Have we given ourselves wholly to God? Are our roots in money and material things, or are they in God, the most radically extravagant and generous person in the universe? If we choose to give ourselves unreservedly to God, the issue of how much we give of our resources becomes secondary, because it's all his the question is more, how much God would you have me live on? And how much he would invite us to be part of the adventure with him? Why don't we stand? <laughs>